With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's time for another edition of Tennis.com's weekly podcast. And here's your host, James Martin. All right, welcome to the Tennis.com podcast. I'm James Martin, Editor-in-Chief of Tennis.com, and today I'm joined with Peter Bodo and Steve Tignan. Welcome, guys. Before we get to our big topic of discussion today, which of course is the World Tour Finals, excuse me, the Barclay World Tour Finals, wanted to take a quick opportunity to thank everybody for listening to our podcast last week and offering a lot of great feedback, posting on the blog, sending us emails. Uh, keep all that uh, comments coming as we uh, sort of evolve this podcast going into the new year. We uh, are anticipating some pretty big things with it. So let's get started. Today we wanted to talk about the World Tour Finals. The draws just came out for the A group and B group and some pretty exciting stuff and some uh, interesting matchups that were going to be taking shape in the round robin. And uh, Steve, let me throw it out to you first here. We got the group A and let's kind of get into that. We got Federer, Murray, Del Potro, and Verdasco. What do you think about this group? I think the first thing you have to look at is Murray. How he's, you know, he's playing in London, uh, his home home court uh, to a certain extent. Uh, how's he going to react to that? He's he's played well at Wimbledon, but I also felt like in the end at Wimbledon this year he felt the pressure of the home of the home court. But of course, Wimbledon is there's going to be more pressure there than there is at, at at this tournament. But that's something I'm looking at first. Um, Pete, what do you think of that? What do you think of Murray's? how he'll handle this. Well, it's a good point, you know, about his feeling pressure at home, but then again, it's indoors. Murray's good at these kinds of events, I think, you know, it's kind of a hard, you know, a, a hard court, medium pace. It really suits his game pretty well, yeah. so I think he's going to be, you know, he's... Well, we don't know the speed of the court yet, though, so, I mean... But he is a good indoor player. Yeah, he is a good indoor player. Yeah, so, I mean, he's, you know, but, and, and really, the pressure is not, not not comparable to Wimbledon there, so, you know, he's, he'll, he, I think he'll step up pretty well. He, um, I think he's got some, there's some interesting stuff in that group, you know, you've got you know, I'm looking at, like, Verdasco. The guy can really play, played a great match with um, Nadal at the Australian Open semis, you know, long long five-hour match. And, and he's sort of in, you know, he backed into the thing. Those guys are always dangerous at these things. You know, they can win some matches because they, uh, you know, they're playing with house money. They're boosted up, and, you know, they swing from the heels. I, I don't know, James. Right, I think I, that's pretty... Um, yeah, I don't think Verdasco's actually going to be... To me, I think he's the, he's the weakest of this entire group, potentially. I mean... He's played a lot since the U.S. Open. I was looking at his record yesterday, and he's played Kuala Lumpur. He's played, he's played all the basically every tournament he can play. But he, the guy's played a lot this year. He's only won one event, and that was New Haven, which is you know sort of a joke of a tournament. Let's face it. It's right so that's the breakout, right? <laughs> I don't think it does. I, don't, I think he's. I think you know he's he's not. I, I just don't see him as a big match player that can beat these top guys, and he's among the eight best in the world. So I don't see him. I, I think I think Murray, you know, definitely can give Federer problems, and I think that's going to be interesting. And I, I think Delpo will be the, the big question mark because he's 2-3 and three since the Open. I think Del, yeah, Del Potro and Federer are both wild cards here. Federer is, has been rested, and, of course, he's won this tournament a lot, but his last two matches he he hasn't played that well, and he hasn't really looked, I don't know if he's looked particularly intense. So 
I really have no idea how he's going to come out. And same with Del Potro. He will he come out? Is he is he just kind of saying goodbye to this year, this season, and starting next year, or is he going to feel like he needs to prove himself again in this tournament? Well, I, well, well you had that, that interesting right? uh, stat, Steve. You saw that Del Potro's retired from quite a few matches. He's retired from every match that he's lost since the summer. Yeah, the new Djokovic. Which <laughs> I, it's hard to explain it. What 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 that's about, but. Well, it is bizarre. I mean, if it's one of those things where he just doesn't, he can't compute the idea of losing. I mean, he doesn't seem like that kind of guy. He seems like no. someone that really wants to gut out a match. I found that stat surprising. I mean, he was down four. I was watching this match with Stepanek in Paris. He was down four games immediately. He wasn't moving very well, and then he just walked off the court. He, but he wasn't noticeably injured. He just said, I can't move. I'm, I'm done. I did that for uh, work some days. <laughs> can't come in. Sorry, guys. So, so I think he's, you know, I don't know what to say. I don't know what's going to happen with him. That'll, that'll be interesting. He and Federer, to me, are, are interesting and sort of wild cards as to how they're going to play. Well, yeah, and you're sort of drifting to something there. I mean, I think you're setting yourself up a little bit when you say Federer is, you know, the erratic. You know, yeah, he's been erratic, but we're saying the same thing, you know, last spring. And then look what happens in the summer. So, you know, you never know when Federer is going to pop up and decide, you know, to lace him up and, 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 and get and get it done in a big yeah, way. Yeah, he's good in this. He's been good at this tournament. He's won it, yeah. Past. I mean, he did say yeah. something funny when he lost to Djokovic, though, a couple of weeks ago. He, he, he was joking, obviously, when he said, oh, I'm a clay court specialist now. Right. And he does, He clearly doesn't play his best tennis on hard courts um, as opposed to the natural surfaces of clay and, and, and grass, it seems. So, you know, if Delpo or Murray are, are really playing particularly well, I mean, I can see either of those guys coming out of this group with a much better with a better record. You know, it's only three I don't matches. know if I'd ever say Federer doesn't play well on hard courts. <laughs> True. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, I think if you look at, you know, what he's done since, you know, on hard courts versus, um, you know, grass and Recently. Play, yeah, yeah, recently yeah, this yeah. year. I mean, he seems to be playing better on those surfaces. But, you know, it, I think all of them are going to be happy Verdasco's in the group. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. Well, you've got to worry <laughs> about Del Potro there, you know. I mean, yeah. too, I mean, you know, in, in some ways, yeah, you know, sure the guy tails off after the U.S. Open, but, I mean, that's only natural. He's a Grand Slam champion first time. You know, he's, you know, he's, he's in shell shock kind of. But the guy's got so much game, and I think, you know, what we saw at that U.S. Open, I think he's a particular threat to Federer in that group, you know. I mean, I think, you know, if Roger's going to be worried about anybody, you know, sure he could be worried about Murray, too. But Del Potro's a guy who, you know, he could be most spooked by. He's a guy who beat him in the biggest recent match they've played and stuff. And so, uh, you know, I think there's... Um, well, Murray Del Potro, they've had a couple of good matches in the past. Murray's played them pretty smart. Murray Del Potro, yeah. yeah. So but wait a minute. I want to hear... I wanna, so, James, you trashing Verdasco. I want to hear if Steve is going to trash Verdasco, oh, he will. Too. He's got to. Yeah, when I look at this draw, <laughs> yeah. I see Verdasco. <laughs> yeah, that's where I see a weakness. I mean, he, he's ranked ahead of Soderling in the other group, but I, I don't know. I see Verdasco as the... As the weakest player here, somebody who would have to have somebody, his opponent, play poorly to, to win a match. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, the rankings will confirm that, too. I, um, I still think that some of these guys that sneak in there get the big moment. They're playing with house money, and you know, we'll see what happens with that. I think he could, he, he could come up big. Well, let's go to Group B now, because this, this is, I think, an even more interesting uh, setup of players. you got Nadal. Djokovic, Davidenko, and in for Andy Roddick, who's out with a knee injury, uh, Soderling. And um, the number two ranking and the number ranking are both up for grabs at this tournament. All kinds of weird permutations that can happen. But Nadal, Djokovic, I mean, that seems to be the marquee matchup for this group. I mean, I think Nadal's going to have a tough time. He hasn't played that well. He got crushed by Djokovic in, in Paris. I mean, he looked like he had no answers to anything. Djokovic, to me, is a player to beat among all these players. He has been on fire for the last three, four weeks and just making the game look completely too easy. Um, Steve, do you, what do you think about this group? Well, the, the three players in, the, in this group, the other three players in this group besides Rafa, have all beaten Nadal, 
the last time they played without too much trouble. Djokovic killed him in Paris. Davidenko beat him pretty easily in Shanghai. And Soderling beat him at the French, which was a good match, but still he, he beat him on clay. And Nadal's, Nadal's form is against top 10, top 5 players hasn't been great lately. He's been getting blown out by yeah, he really a lot of guys. Yeah, he really Nadal. So, I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm not saying Nadal is not a threat to make the semis, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't bet on him. I actually think this draw is, is pretty good for Soderling. He, he's played, he's beaten Davidenko most of the times they've played. He just went three sets with Djokovic, and he beat Nadal the last time they played. So, in some weird so way. So, you don't, you don't rate Djokovic to, to do better in this group? Given how he's played so well, or do you think he's just mentally going no, to be able No, I mean, Djokovic, as far as the form goes, is he's another one of those, another situation where you're not quite sure what's going to happen. The form is great, but will he, will he have the energy to keep it going? I think he will, but it's, you know, it's never guaranteed. He's, he's just won two straight tournaments. Can he win? Can he keep that up for the third week? Yeah, he was Mr. Tired, too. He was a guy who was complaining about how long the season is. He wanted to call this big meeting in Paris. I wonder if that meeting ever really happened, you know. Was it supposed to happen this? Yeah, but I thought it was going to be in Paris about the happened. length of season, you know. Let's get the big guys together and all. I think, I think he probably canceled the meeting. Yeah, I think they're going to do it in Australia. Oh, is that, yeah. is that right? Well, he may have second thoughts about his feelings about the length yeah, of maybe season. Maybe Federer lost, he left town, and that was it. That's right, exactly. He didn't want to get Benito. <laughs> I'm not going to this thing meeting. Didn't care what Benito thought. I don't know. He's playing, I mean... You know, it's it's a classic thing. I, I, I mean, I actually was telling Steve the other day. I mean, if, if Djokovic, given what he's done over the last few weeks, you can see how good he is. Yeah. If he, I mean, whatever he does here, what you know, I guess isn't a huge, huge deal. But if he doesn't win a semi, a fly, if he doesn't win a major next year, I mean, it's, it's getting to the point where why can he just turn it on against these top players at these the indoor tournaments and then not do it at the biggest stages? It's, it's going to become an indictment on him. Well, he confuses Grand Slam events with, uh, you know, Amer- American Idol or, or, or some other contestant show or popularity contest, I think. You know, I, I really think that, you know, at the Grand Slams, you know, in a funny way, the guy, despite all his experience and his, and his obvious talent and stuff, he's sort of, you know, it's almost like he's not really there at Grand Slams. He had that match at Wimbledon with Baghdadis when he kind of screwed around. He had a good lead. He could have put, put him away a couple of years ago, and then he ended up screwing around and then losing the match, and then he got hurt, and so that was the end of his story at Wimbledon. He's not, yeah, he's not efficient enough at slams, and by the, end of the, by the end of the two weeks, he always seems a little spent. Like he's, He had a big match with Roddick uh, at the Open, and then he came out. He won that. He came out in the semis. He didn't have much for Federer. He, the Baghdadis won. He's been tired against Nadal in the semis at the French. I, feel like he he needs to he expends so much energy emotionally at slams that two-week events are hard for him well let's look at the number two ranking see what you guys think if for Djokovic to finish the year number two if my memory serves here he has to win the the uh, world tour finals without dropping a match he has to go three no and run robin win a semi win his final which is no easy task and and Nadal would have to win one or none of his round robin matches and not make it out which if you look at this group and the way Nadal's played, you could see Nadal going one and two, and he's out of the tournament. And then what? Well, what can happen? I mean, you know, Steve. Do you Robin think he Soderling can, wins the uh, Masters. Yeah, who knows? Uh, hey, you know, don't don't discount the guy. The guy's got a big, big game. He's another guy like Verdasco and like Davidenko too. Really, these guys all backed into the thing. Now he's also good in indoors. Soderling's one yep. of his, most of his tournaments indoors. So, do you, either of you guys think Djokovic can finish number two? I think it's probable, unlikely. With this tournament, I'm not going to. I don't know what to, I don't know if I can say either way, but I think he can. 
<laughs> you can't say it's probably. I, I mean, you know, running the table at this tournament is going to be right. tough. I mean, a guy. But let's not forget, he's a defending champion. That's you right. Know? I mean, yeah. you know, so I mean, a guy. You know, he he's he's primed and prepped for this this time of year. He knows what it takes. But running the table, I think, is going to be the big thing. You know, I could see him losing a round robin match. Yeah, if he wins easily. his first two matches, you know, he could he could definitely lose a match at that point. Yeah, because he knows he's already qualified for the semis. And the number one ranking's up for grabs too. Although in this situation. And there's all kinds of, Steve and I were trying to go through them yesterday, it's impossible to figure out all the different you know, things that could happen. But generally speaking, if Nadal were to win the tournament or get to the final and Federer, you know, for, for simplicity's sake, just bombs totally out in the round robin, um, Nadal could finish number one, although, again, it's going to be a bit of a long shot, I think. What a strange thing that would be if Nadal finished number one after the year he had. Didn't play Wimbledon. Lost. Had a... Had a Overall disappointing year, but could still finish number He's one. Right He's right in the hunt. Versus a guy that's made four Grand Slam finals, one, two of them. Yeah, I don't know how that works, but somehow it does. I well, I made a big mistake, too, when I was looking at this stuff early on a couple of days ago when it first occurred to me that, holy cow, I mean, what if Nadal, like, you know, when Nadal fought off those match points in, in Paris early early on and then, you know, goes on and has a good tournament, I said, what? I mean, what would happen? You look, he's behind Federer by only 945 points. But what you got to remember is, and this is the, you know, Federer gets points, too. So, you know, all you got to do is win a couple of matches. He can have a very mediocre masters here and, uh, and and still maintain enough of a lead so that you know Nadal would have to really perform heroically plus although, although we were asking that. yesterday Steve and I Nadal plays Davis Cup a week later you get ranking points for Davis Cup don't you you do you get the equivalent of I believe a master uh, of a ATP Tour 500, 500 yes. um, so if you were to win two let's say like it's just I could it'd be hilarious if, if like that Federer does have a mediocre Masters, but he 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 ekes out that you know that number one ranking after the Masters is like two hundred fifty points. The dog goes to Davis Cup, wins his two matches, and finishes number one. That would be crazy. I don't know how it works with with how many of those tournaments count, or whether he can substitute the Davis Cup. Davis Cup for a, his worst five hundred. I don't I don't know. Head smarter than mine have figured this out, and as I understand it, there's no real impact Davis Cup. Yeah, I haven't heard anything. Have. Haven't heard He's anything. Have. I mean, there, there are people who have crunched these numbers and looked at all these different models. And I mean, it takes you need a you need a freaking you know mainframe computer to figure all this stuff out now when you when you process all these numbers. But basically, I don't I don't think the Davis Cup, as I understand it, is going to have much of an impact on what happens. It's really all going which to is fair. My, I mean, Masters. that would be kind of unfair, don't you think? If, if he were to squeak through with the Davis Cup performance? No, I think it'd be great for Davis Cup. And, yeah. um, to me, Davis Cup counts huge. So uh, I'd be all for it, frankly. All right. Um, yeah, another incentive to play, right? I guess. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, he seems. I mean, Nadal did say that's what he's prioritizing for the rest of the year. It wasn't the Masters or the World Tour Finals, whatever we're calling it. But he was saying Davis Cup was his main main priority. So it'll be interesting to see how how his head is during this tournament versus. Well, that's his. smart. He's got a. He's probably going to win that. Right? That's right. He's right. on clay. <laughs> that's right. Just looking on the positive side. So let's uh, before we uh, check out of this podcast, let's pick our semifinals and finals, and then we'll have a podcast after the event. See who was right and mm-hmm. uh, see who mm-hmm. is wrong. I'm going to say uh, that for the semifinals in Group A, I'm going to go with um, Federer and Murray. And in uh, Group B, I'm going to go with Djokovic and Davidenko. Uh, Steve, what are you going to go with? Uh, Federer, Murray, and Djokovic Soderling. And Pete. Well, I guess, all right, third man, i got to follow you guys. I can't pick what you guys picked, of course, because then it sounds like I'm copycatting, right? Well, I'm going to go with... You've been talking big on Verdasco. I know, but but I'm not talking... I'm not talking that big. I think he's good enough to put Federer out. I'm saying Del Potro and Murray and Soderling and Nadal. All right, and Nadal, really. I'm going to go for the winner. I'm going to say this is going to be Davy Danko's year. Steve? You're nuts. No, you'll see, you'll see. 
I'm going to pick... I'm going to pick Djokovic. Yeah. You going with Djokovic as well? Gee, why don't you go one on a limb, Steve? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm going, I'm, I'm going all the way with Soderling. You really? All right. Yep. That's, that's an interesting one. <laughs> we'll see. We will be checking back in uh, in about, a, I guess, a week and a half's time. So uh, thanks again for joining us for another edition of the Tennis.com podcast. Uh, for Peter Bodo and Steve Tigner, I'm James Martin, and we'll uh, talk to you later. You've been enjoying Tennis.com's weekly podcast. Thanks for listening. For all the latest news and events, head over to Tennis.com.